Let's just pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, even as we come to your word now, oh God, Lord, just give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us hearts to obey and to walk in your ways. We look to you for the anointing of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we're doing a series uh, on basically preparing for revival. We've done one message on, on, and we're going to be looking at different ways, different ways we can prepare for revival, different ways we can prepare for what uh, the Lord has ahead for us. And so we've looked at, we've, we've looked at uh, preparation for revival, um, and having encounters with God or fresh meetings with the Lord. And we've had a couple of messages on the importance of repentance. That is a real foundation for revival. And this morning I want to look at the thought of prayer, the subject of prayer, prayer for revival. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, and this is a familiar passage, a familiar passage, but yet a very important passage. And it's Elijah praying for rain. First he prays that there'll be no rain, and then he prays that the rain will come. The rain will come. And we know, of course, that the rain speaks of the, the Holy Spirit, the power of the, the Holy Spirit uh, being poured out. And just suddenly, in, in 1 Kings 17 and verse 1, suddenly Elijah just comes on the scene. And he, he, he comes and he stands before the king of Israel, King Ahab, and he said, there shall be no dew, no rain these years, but according to my word. I mean, what, what, a, what a powerful word. His words were short, specific, powerful. But behind those words was a, a ministry of prayer and intercession to hold back the dew and the rain. And here he declares the prophetic word. And there's a word of the Lord. There'll be no rain. There'll be no rain. But it wasn't just enough to declare that prophecy or to declare the prophetic word. That was not enough. Elijah had to pray it into existence. He had to pray and pray that what he had spoken would come to pass and that, it would be no, and that there would be no rain. And so... Uh, we're told in James 5 and, and verse 16 that the effectual, fervent prayer of a, of a righteous man uh, avails much. And in the, in the Amplified Version, it brings, it brings it out, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. In other words, other words, you know, dynamic, dynamic in its working. And it tells us about Elijah in James 5, verse 17. It says, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. And it was a time of judgment for their sin, a time of judgment on the land and there was great devastation of the land because nothing could grow and there was famine and there was no rain. Everything was dry and barren. 
Many of the cattle died. But in this time of God's decree judgment, it was prayer that brought to pass the will of God. And, you know, sometimes we think of Elijah as this, you know, mighty prophet and doing great miracles. And, and, and that is true. That is true. He, he, he was a mighty prophet. But it, there's also the other side of Elijah, which we find out from the book of James, that he was subject to like passions as we are. He had human weaknesses, human frailties, and that human nature such as we have with feelings and affections and you know, constitution as ourselves. Times he would get terribly discouraged. But yet, in spite of all that, he prayed. He prayed. He prayed. And there was a determination to pray. He prayed earnestly. He prayed passionately. And he prayed, first of all, that there'd be no rain. And then, when the word of the Lord came to him, he prayed again. And this time, he had to pray for rain to come, for rain to come. Now, it was the timing of the Lord. And in 1 Kings 18 and verse 1, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself to unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. He knew the will of God. It's stated clearly. God is saying to him, I will send rain. And this is after three and a half years of famine, three and a half years of no rain. And so Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine. There was a terrible famine in the land, in Samaria. Now, I want to look just quickly at five important keys in Elijah's prayer. Five keys, five important keys in this prayer of Elijah for rain, because it's important to us. And we're going to pray on Wednesday night. We're going to come together and pray for revival. Rain is a type of revival. Rain is one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit, the rain of God coming down, the Spirit of God falling upon us. And so these keys are helpful for us, you know, in praying for revival, praying for the rain to come, the spiritual rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit, a new awakening, a move of the Spirit of God in our midst, in our area, in our nation, that the rain of God's Spirit will fall. Now, number one, it was God's time. It was God's time for rain. If, he, if Elijah had prayed for rain, after one and a half years, you know, he could pray and pray all he likes, but it would have been to no avail because it was not God's time. But now, three and a half years of God have gone by. Elijah has heard the word of the Lord, heard from God, I will send rain. And now the ball's back in his court, and he's got to pray that into existence. So it was God's time. It was God's idea to send rain, not Elijah's. It was initiated by God, and it was his time. 
And we know that God has his times and his seasons. In Acts 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it wasn't just any time. It was the exact day of the Old Testament feast of Pentecost. It was the exact day when the Holy Spirit fell. It was the timing of the Lord. Zechariah 10 and verse 1, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. We're coming into the time of the latter rain, the fulfillment of the feast of tabernacles. Acts 3.19, when Peter is preaching that powerful message in, uh, in the book of Acts, and he speaks there about repentance, and he says, repent so that times of refreshing shall come. Times of refreshing, times of rain, times of the moving of the Holy Spirit will come from the presence of the Lord. Hosea 10 and verse 12. It tells us there, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rain righteousness upon us. So revival is not only for, is not just to see a harvest come in. It's not only so that God's glory can be manifest. It's not only that there'll be manifestations of God's power, but it speaks also, it's also clear, it's a revival of righteousness and holiness. A revival of righteousness and holiness. And in Psalm 103 in verse 13, speaking of Zion, it says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her, the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. Now, so first, it was God's time for the rain. Second, it was based on a promise of God. As we've read, the word of the Lord had come. God said, I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah's praying. It wasn't just his idea. No, it was based on what God had said, on the promise of God. The prophetic word had come. It was the perfect will of God. And if our prayers are going to be answered, it is important to know we are praying in the will of God. Otherwise, you know, you can pray, you can even fast, but it's going to be of no avail if we're not praying in the will of God. And as many of us are, are, of, uh, many of us are aware, you know, many prophetic words have come forth here from this pulpit, from in this auditorium over the last, you know, number of years that, you know, God will, God will do a new thing that God will send the rain of his spirit, that he will give increase, that his glory will be revealed, that many will come from far places, and that the Lord will reign righteousness and holiness among us. And I believe it is the time to arise. It is the time to pray that God wants us to lay hold of them, to lay hold of these promises, to rise up and to pray them into reality, even as Elijah had to pray the rain into reality after no rain for three and a half years. Thirdly, 
Elijah prayed in faith. All right, so first, it was the time. Second, it was the prayer was in God's time. Second, the prayer, the, his praying was according to the promise of God. It was based on a firm foundation, on the promise of God. And thirdly, when Elijah prayed, he prayed in faith. And in verse 41 of chapter 18, it says there, And Elijah said to Ahab, Get you up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, in the natural, there was no sound of rain. You could not hear any rain. In fact, the very opposite. The sky was blue. There were no clouds. The land was brown and arid and dry. There was no sign whatsoever of rain. For three and a half years, it had not rained. But he says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. That was a, that was a, a statement of faith. He heard the sound. He heard the, heard the spiritual sound with his spiritual ears. And then he declared it with his mouth. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Nothing in the natural to indicate that. So Elijah knew it was the timing of God. He knew it was the timing of God. He spoke faith. He spoke faith. There was the sound of abundance of rain. And then he prayed. And he prayed with great faith and great assurance that the rain would come. He believed what God, what God spoke, and then he spoke out. You know, Jesus said, he said, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. We can't please God without faith. Romans 10.8, the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we, pre which we preach. Mark 11.24, Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And as we pray for the reign of the Holy Spirit and a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray with expectation, believing it will happen, that God's faith, God's faith will mightily be in our hearts. And the fourth point about that prayer is Elijah prayed earnestly. Elijah prayed earnestly. In fact, in verse 42, he said, And he cast himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. He put his face between his knees. And the significance of this posture is well known in the literature of, ancient, of the ancient Near East. And it is the position of a woman when she gets ready to deliver a child. And so it's speaking of labor, it's speaking of travail. So Elijah took the squatting position with his head between his knees. It was not just some casual prayer. It was not just some prayer for a minute or two. He travailed, he prayed earnestly, he prayed intensely, he prayed passionately, he prayed with a great burden. He prayed with a great burden and the intenseness. You know, my heart still, I still remember as clear as if it was yesterday, many years ago, you know, when I was 
just in my 20s. I was, I, I was young. I was in New Zealand. And, and the pow- some of the powerful times, the church then was maybe about 1,000 or so at that time. And, you know, once a month, every month for three days, most of the people would fast. They'd fast three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on the Wednesday night, we'd come together for a prayer meeting. And those prayer meetings, I mean, I just still remember them as clear as anything. I mean, people were crying out, people were in burden, people were passionate, people were just crying out to the Lord. And it, it just seemed, if, you know, no, nothing's impossible with God. And, and, you know, just the presence of the Lord was just so powerful, it was just so strong. And, uh, you know, just God just came in those prayer meetings. And because people have been praying, praying, seeking God, fasting, and just, just the presence of God. You know, all the, you had about 700 people, you know, packed together in this, in this place was called the Mandalay. It was a, just a place you rented out for different events and so on. And people were packed into that building and just... You know, we'd worship the Lord and then we'd pray with, you know, such a tremendous burden of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, some of the services there, and I, I've been there in services where when the doors of the church would, would open up, people would run in to, you know, get the front seats. And, you know, maybe a stronger anointing was there. And, uh, you know, that, that God, would, God would come. So Elijah, he prayed, he prayed earnestly, earnestly, earnestly. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall it be born at once? Born at once. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. You know, Paul says in Galatians 4, verse 19. You know, I travail till I travail in birth till Christ be formed in you. And he was wanting, writing to the Galatians that, you know, that. Those new converts, they would go on. They'd be established. They'd go on for the Lord. They would not get into wrong doctrine and deception. And he prayed for them. He passionately prayed for them. And it speaks of the prayers of Jesus in Hebrews 5 and verse 7. He prayed with, with tears and supplication. And so, you know, even though, even though Elijah knew it was God's will to bring rain, he knew it was God's time to bring rain. Yet, something on earth still had to birth it in prayer. And in this case, Elijah's travail in prayer released literal rain. And our prayers can release the rain of the Holy Spirit. And like Elijah, we must take up our position, being believing that the prayers of mere men can accomplish much can accomplish much for the glory of God. And then fifthly, the last point, Elijah prayed with much perseverance. And in verse 44, it says, And he said to his servant, verse 43, He said to his servant, Go up, look towards the sea. And he went and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And so Elijah said to his servant, go up the hill, go up to the very top of Mount Carmel, look out towards the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And the servant obeyed, and he did it, and he came back, and there was nothing, just no sign of rain, not even a tiny cloud, sky blue, the ground brown and barren. And then Elijah said, you know, go back again. And he came back again. And he said, go back again. 
and he came, nothing. He'd go back again. He came back, nothing. Go back again. And he did it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Even though he had the, prof- even though he had the prophetic word, even though it was God's time, even though he'd already been praying, Elijah continued to pray. He did not give up. He continued to pray. And he sent that servant back those seven times. Why did he continue to pray seven times? Well, we're not told, but we know seven is a number of perfection, of completeness. And we are told why we have to... have to persevere in prayer. But, you know, possibly it was, it was necessary to persevere until he had completed enough prayer, until enough power had been released through his intercession to go up into the heavens and to, you know, get the job done. So those five things. Firstly, it was God's time. He prayed. It was the timing of God. His prayer, secondly, his prayer was based on the promise of God. Thirdly, he prayed in faith. Fourthly, he prayed earnestly. And then fifthly, he prayed with perseverance. I just want to close with a testimony of Jeremiah Lampier. Lampier. And prayer was such a key in this. This is going back to the year 1857. And we're in New York City, only about five hours' drive from here. It was 1987. And there was an awakening there. There was a mighty move of God of prayer. And some, some people call it the prayer meeting revival. And one man's obedience to prayer began a revival that transformed a nation. Jeremiah Lampierre, he was a New York businessman. He was converted in 1842 during a revival in the Broadway Tabernacle built by Charles Finney. That had been about 15 years earlier. And and he was not not an ordained minister. He He was a layman. He was a businessman. And in 1857... He was, Jeremiah Lampierre was at a crossroads in his life. He was a single, middle-aged businessman in New York City, without children, without family. Following his heart to reach the neediest around him, he put aside his regular business, and he began to work with with the North Dutch Church in Manhattan as a lay missionary. Drunkenness was rampant, and the nation was divided by slavery. There was a financial crash in 1957, that same year. The banks failed, and in New York alone, 30,000 had lost their jobs. And at that time, the population of New York was about 1 million. About 1 million, 30,000 had lost their jobs. And ministering in the, in the dark slums of New York, Lampierre, he poured himself into the lives of people who were homeless, helpless, who were, who were homeless, helpless, and hopeless. Month after month, he went door to door, sharing the good news, giving out tracts, holding Bible studies with anyone, with anyone who would listen. He discovered that even, even as the body needs food, the soul and the spirit need prayer. 
he realized his need and he regularly returned to a room in the church to cry out to God for spiritual strength. The spiritual experience of the power of prayer encouraged him to reach out to others. He, he handed out, he, he also wanted those engaged in business and he knew that it would, prayer would really profit them in many ways. And so he handed out 20,000 flyers advertising a, a, a prayer meeting in New York. And 20,000 flyers advertising for businessmen in their lunch hour to come to pray. And the first, the first lunchtime prayer meeting, noonday prayer meeting, was on September 23rd, Wednesday, September 23rd, 1857. For the first 30 minutes, he sat alone praying. Eventually, steps were heard, and coming up the staircase, and another joined. Then another and another, until Lampierre was joined by five men. So that first prayer meeting, event before it ended, there were six men, including him. Then the next, men, then the next Wednesday, the six increased to 20. The following week, there were 40. Lampierre and the others then decided to meet every day. And within weeks, thousands of business leaders were meeting for prayer every day in New York City. Within weeks, thousands of business leaders were meeting each day for prayer. And within six months, over 10,000 businessmen were meeting every day in similar meetings, confessing sin, getting saved, praying for revival. Most of the organizers of the prayer meetings were businessmen. People had meetings in stores, company buildings, and churches. With hardly any, with hardly any exception, churches working together as one with no, time, you know, with no time for jealousy. Before long, over 100 churches and public meeting halls were filled with noonday prayer meetings. In, in February and March 19, 1858, every, ch every church and every public hall in downtown New York City was filled. Approximately 3,000 people packed into a cinema for a prayer meeting each day at lunch in New York City. Horace Grin Greeley, who was a famous editor at the time, he sent a reporter with horse and buggy racing around the prayer meetings to see how many he could count who were praying. In one hour, he could get to only 12 meetings, but he counted 6,100 men attending. Then a landslide of prayer began, which overflowed to the churches in New York City in the evenings. People began to be converted. In fact, thousands got converted and got saved every week. I mean, revival broke out in New York City alone. The movement then spread outside of New York, and the movement spread throughout New England. And the church bells bringing people to prayer at 8 o'clock in the morning, again at noon, and again at 6 p.m. The revival raced up the Hudson and down the Mohawk, where the Baptists, for example, had so many people to baptize that they went down to the river, cut a big hole in the ice, and baptized them in cold water. And when Baptists do that, they are really on fire. 
the revival spread to many parts of America. America began to live again in just two years. In just two years after that time, over a million converts were added to churches. A million converts were added to churches of all denominations. And the social and ethical effects continued for almost half a century. And then the blessing, and then it went over to Great Britain and other nations as well. Can God do it again? Can God do it again? Amen. What have we got to do? Pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this wonderful prayer of Elijah. And Lord, we pray, Lord, you would give us a burden to pray. Lord, you gave that one man a burden to pray. And Lord, it touched the world. Thousands and thousands came to you. And Lord, we just thank you for the awesome, awesome power of prayer. And Lord, we pray that you would, you would give us a burden to pray, a desire to pray. Lord, we, we can't even work it up. Lord, it's against the flesh, it's against all what we want to do. But Lord, we pray, oh God, you would place a desire to pray, a hunger and a thirst to pray. Lord, to meet with you in new, new ways, to be in your presence. Lord, to pray individually, to pray collectively as we come together. And oh God, Lord, we pray that even, Lord, as we pray, we look to you for your enabling and your anointing to be able to pray. And Lord, we pray that you would just encourage us, Lord, to come on Wednesday night, that we would come, with, as Elijah came, in faith and expectancy, to pray earnestly, to persevere, and to cry out to you, Lord, for this needy valley we are in, full of sin, drunkenness, and drugs, and evil. We see the hand of the enemy, but, oh God, you can change it. You can change it. Lord, you can transform our church. You can bring in the harvest and bring your glory as we pray. And Lord, we pray, Lord, here in our church, in our valley, and Lord, even in our nation, Lord, our nation. But, oh God, we thank you. You're a God of miracles. And as we pray, Lord, miracles are possible. Lord, we believe you will bring in a great harvest. We believe you will fill this place, Lord, Lord, with many, many students of righteousness who will learn your ways, teachers of righteousness, who will study, who will learn, who will go forth to the nations. Oh, God, Lord, let your will be done. Let your purposes come to pass. And we thank you, Lord, we can be a vital channel, even in the purposes of Almighty God in these last days. Father, just seal this word to our hearts. May your blessing be upon each one. May your favor and presence be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.